Welcome to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Griego-Kyle on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, I discuss sustainable impact investing, how to create portfolios that match your values, and a variety of other topics such as financial education, environmental sustainability, social justice, and sustainable food systems. Do you want to know if your investments seek the kind of accountability from corporations that you demand? Listen in as I explore the burning question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Grego Kyle of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Kim, what's going on? It's summer. I'm so happy. It's going to be 90 degrees today. Oh, I, in Oregon? I love, yes, I love the heat. That's nice. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And, and from, you know, you know me, I grew up in the mid, uh, the Northwest right. uh, in Washington State, and we just didn't have mugginess, right? So if it's 90, no. it's usually 90 and beautiful. Yes, um, it's gorgeous. It, yeah, 90 here in Omaha? No, it's not beautiful. It's not gorgeous. It's just hot and muggy. Hot. Sticky. It's like, where's the air conditioner? <laughs> Well, I am um, remembering now uh, the allergies that I have here. Of course, uh, I grew up yes. here. Yeah. And so I have a little froggy throat. And uh, yeah, allergy season is upon us. But, but that's through. not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, you <laughs> have a special guest on the show today. I do have a really special guest. And I'm really excited. I know you know her very I well. I do. So yeah, I'm hosting today Christine Lucan on the podcast. I wish I had an applause button. I really do at this point. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> really, and I have a I have a I have a noise canceller on, on my, my mic right now. So even if I clap you can't hear it. <laughs> oh well I'll clap. There we go. There we go. We All go. right. So Christine Lucan is a financial dignity coach. Yeah. And she has her own podcast newsletter. She has several books out and I am thrilled to have you with me today, Christine. Thanks so much for having me. And I do share your affection for hot weather. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I hate being cold. So me like, too. yeah, it's, um, it's not summer. my thing. Yeah. No. Me so yeah, I, I, I want to really get to know you better. We've had a one conversation on the phone and I've looked at some of your newsletters and of course I have your book and you know, I'm holding it up, but not that anyone can actually see, but uh, <laughs> money is emotional. Yeah. Prevent your heart from hijacking your wallet. I mean, brilliant, right? This book is so fabulous. I, I don't even know where to start. Um, well, I'm glad you love it. Yeah. I really, really liked it. And I, I have marked several things in here. I want to sit down and go through this with my spouse, you know, even though it aren't serious problems, but yeah, it, it's it all going to be helpful in some way. Yeah. So it's amazing. And I, let's start, let's start a little bit more about you. Okay. Um, I know you love hot weather. I do. Great. <laughs> and um, what, what else is in your personal life that you want to share with the listeners that, that may be reflective of your business? Oh gosh. Well, I always say that um three of my favorite things are cash, coffee, and cats. Oh, <laughs> the three C's. Well, I the got three the, C's. Yeah, I have the coffee for sure. Um who doesn't love cash? 
Right. Yeah. But my last one would definitely be dogs. Okay. So, so you got fur babies. Yes. Fur babies are the best. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your book. Uh, again, money is an, money is emotional. Prevent your heart from hijacking your wallet. And I think this was your first book. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's broken out into six parts. Yes. And I would like to have you, uh, well, how would you summarize each section? If you just had to put a little summary hmm. around these, I mean, you don't have to do all six, but you know, I'm just thinking, um, if I look at the, uh, I'm flipping through the book here, table of contents, you literally break it out into part one. And it, it sounds a lot to me like where you've come from. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, you know, I'd like to say that this book is half financial how-to and half tabloid of my life as I crashed and burned financially. Yeah. And all of the things that I learned through that process, because in my 20s, I I did crash and burn financially despite having an accounting degree. And it was because I allowed my heart to hijack my wallet. I was engaged to a guy who had terrible money habits. He was in and out of jobs and even in and out of jail. And I thought if I just loved him enough that he would change. And mm-hmm. he did. He got worse. Oh, so. yeah. See, it wasn't the change you were expecting. Yeah, it was not. Um, so I found myself at age 26, you know, being deeply in debt, uh, pretty much having trashed my credit score. I was dealing with collections. And there was a lot of shame and embarrassment around that because I worked in accounting. Like I was someone who had all the head knowledge and yet I was not doing any of it. And it was because of that relationship. You know, it's like we do things that go against our financial common sense sometimes because of matters of the heart and our emotions. And what I realized is, you know, on my own journey to healing, you know, and you have to understand this was 20 plus years ago. Yeah. I was, you know, starting to read a lot of different things on personal finance. And there was a ton of like how to type books out there that pretty much like gave you a checklist or a framework and said, you know, like if you just do this thing, if you just follow this recipe, if you just go down this checklist and you do all these things, then you're going to have financial success. It but doesn't I- work that way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It, it really doesn't. Right. It doesn't because there are so many things that affect our behavior with our money. And so I wanted to bring in the emotional side of things and give people very practical ways to increase their emotional intelligence around money. Um, and to shed some insight into why they may be doing things that are counter to the voice of reason and, (laughs) you know, what they know they should be doing. Because what I would find with my clients is that they knew what they should do. They Mm -hmm. wanted to do it. And yet something in their emotions was blocking them, whether they were conscious of it or not, because sometimes they're they're not conscious of what the reason is, well, but then they would feel bad about themselves. Right. So before we go down that road, I, I really want to talk about um, 
the emotional part of this, which is mm-hmm. kind of where you're going. And, and just, you, you know, the book is really your personal story mm-hmm. and yeah. how you learned to deal with your emotions around your money. And, and I applaud you for that. It's, it's a very hard thing to do, including, you know, I think about myself when I first became a financial advisor, uh, all I had invested was a very small, simple IRA account. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, that's all I had for a really long time. I was a single mom. I had two kids. I just didn't save. I could have probably when I look back on this, but I didn't. And, And so that also reflects how I talk to my clients and and have dealt with my clients over the years. Yeah. So I think everything that happens to us from when we're children through especially early adulthood Mm -hmm. is going to affect our money situation. Yeah. And, and including your last, your most recent book, divorce. Yeah. Financial dignity after divorce. That's a big, it's a very emotional time of life and it, it is, is ripe for making financial mistakes. Absolutely. But um it was very interesting because shortly after I published Money is Emotional, I found out that science had proven that the moment of decision happens in the same part of our brain that processes emotion. And it was interesting because they found this out like completely by mistake. They were studying this group of stroke victims that had damage in the part of their brain that processed emotion. So they were very high functioning. They just had a hard time expressing emotion Mm -hmm. and interpreting emotion in other people. And so as they were doing this study with them, they took a break for lunch and they said, do you want a hamburger or do you want a chicken sandwich? And like literally none of them could make a decision. Uh, Wow. None of them could make a decision. And that's when they realized like, oh my God, this is where the seat of decision-making actually happens. This is where the yeah. moment of decision happens. And so- That is fascinating. Absolutely I know, fascinating. I know. And, you know, I I have this frustration with, you know, financial professionals who tell their clients, just leave emotion out of this decision. Just do the logical thing because you're asking people to do something that's physically impossible. Right. So- I love this because it, over the time period I've been doing podcasting, I've touched on a number of the things that you talk about, but not with your experience. You know, I had a, a podcast on deconstructing your money messages, mm-hmm. what you get from, you know, childhood on and yeah. podcast 59 or sorry, podcast 48, if you haven't listened to that, so go back <laughs> and listen. And then you talk a lot in this book about working with your kids. And yeah. I also very early on it's hard to believe it was my second podcast where I was talking about how you should start working with your kids when they're young. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. And one of the things that struck me at the very beginning here of your, of your book is where you really liken the, the person who can't make good money decisions because of all of the emotional baggage that they carry uh, and the recovery of that to an alcoholic. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's like getting off sugar. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sugar is hard too, but uh, you know, you have to really hit rock bottom most of the time before you start to make changes. Yeah. And you know, I don't mean rock bottom, like you're living on the streets 
you know, with no food or money, but financially you're hitting, you know, that might be a process too, but financially you're really hitting that, that place of, oh my God, I, this is so overwhelming. I have too much debt. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to, you know, go, how I'm going to get rid of it. Should I file for bankruptcy? Those types of things. And then you might finally get serious about it. Yeah. It's like, you have to get sick and tired of being sick and tired about your money. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And I think there are people who never do that and they just continue to make the same mistakes Mm -hmm. over and over again and find themselves at 70 in a really not so fun situation. Yeah. And that's unfortunate because usually other family members have to end up taking care of them and there, there can be a lot of family drama around the money. Absolutely. Whether you're inheriting money or you are providing financial support for mm-hmm. your parents. And I am actually in that position where mm-hmm. I've been providing financial support to my parents. And I I love my mom, but she did not know how to, to handle money. And mm-hmm. she taught me all of the bad things, which have been... Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I, I talk about this in the Money Messages podcast because when I turned 18 for my birthday, what my mom did was take me down to JCPenney's so I could get a credit card. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. Wow. I, I, I was like, okay. And, and that was, you know, to me as an 18 year old, really exciting, you know, with yeah. my $200 credit limit or whatever it was <laughs> at the time. It was a long time ago. 18 was a long time ago. Mm. <laughs> for me but for me too <laughs> yeah so you know those are that's very interesting and um you know you really start in the first section of this book talking about all of these pieces which is yeah. amazing and really digging this- into the mindset i mean that's really the first step is for people to pay attention and be mindful of what's actually going on in their head that. around yeah. me yeah, you talk a lot about your not a lot, but you talk about mindfulness. And mm-hmm. it was funny, I was literally writing down last night a question about um, you know, taking notes about mindfulness. And at the moment I was writing this down, my watch told me that it was time to spend a minute of mindfulness to come down from the day. So I have it, I have this new <laughs> Apple Watch and it does all of these weird things. In fact, you know, it tells me like, okay, it's time to start getting ready for your bedtime so you can get, stop looking at your computer or whatever. And (laughs) I was like, oh, this is new. Okay. Mindfulness. I was just talking about that. So probably we don't need to talk about that because that was everything people need to know. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Seriously. Why is mindfulness so helpful? Well, I think because we are on autopilot so much, and it's interesting because about 95% of our daily actions are unconscious. They're on autopilot. And, you know, for some of that, that's fine because engaging your active mind to remember how to tie your shoes or drive a car or brush your teeth, you know, we we really don't want to be wasting brain power on that. So essentially <laughs> when you have repeated a habit so many times, it basically transfers from your conscious mind into your unconscious mind, and then it can just run on autopilot. But the problem is we have some unhealthy money habits that are 
unconscious and it could be ignoring your money until things are on fire. It could be, you know, emotional spending because it makes you feel better. Um, you know, there's a lot of habits that are on autopilot relative to our finances that may not be in our best long-term interest. I want to stop you there because I appreciate you (laughs) saying that they may not be in your best interest instead of saying these are bad habits. Yeah. (laughs) You you don't, you don't, because really what you want to do is go, this was a very bad habit you have to get rid of, but you know, we can't just do that with people because they shut down. So your approach is, very kind and welcoming. Yes. Well, I, I really hate it when money gurus shame people and, Mm. you know, kind of pull the dad card and scold people because it's really not helpful. And we're talking to adults, right? right? And when people are coming to us, they want our advice they they usually want to change, they want to improve. And so, you know, I really see my goal as getting people off of autopilot, getting them to start paying attention and start noticing and actually start to sit in the feelings and not stuff them, not ignore them. And, you know, kind of ask themselves, like, what what's the root of this? And you know, am I okay with this? Is this something that I really want to continue doing in my life? So for me, I, I've said this before to clients, like I'm not your money mom. Right? Ah, yes. I, I'm not here to tell you what to do. You know, my goal really is to get you to see exactly what's going on to help you to make the adjustments that you need to make so that money is supporting your happiness and it's not stressing you out. And that looks different for everyone. I mean, I have clients who get Botox. I have clients who like to go to the casino or -hmm. that like rare bourbons. And so for me to say, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that, you know, that's really not my place. My place is to really show them where everything is going and say, okay, you know, you have said that X, Y, and Z is really important to you. And in order for us to start shifting away from where you are and start moving down the road, let me give you some options here. Here's like a whole bunch of different things that we could do. What feels good to you? Like, what are you seeing that you're spending money on? That's not even giving you any value. Because usually there are things that they're mindlessly spending money on. I mean, we always find subscriptions where they're like, oh, I thought I canceled that (laughs) or I'm not even (laughs) using that anymore. And it's like, all right, well, let's get rid of it. And we can start putting that muscle behind, you know, the Paris trip or, Mm. you know, maxing out the retirement account or whatever it is that lights your fire. Yeah. For me, it's travel. And I, I want to travel places. We've always, you know, spent less money on housing so that we could travel. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's been our, our passion, my wife and I, and, um, you know, I recently retired from 
active work in Horizons day to day. And yes, <laughs> so I know it's like <laughs> I'm suddenly retired. I'm still doing the podcast. I'm still talking to folks and, you know, helping all of that. But, you know, my wife and I decided that in quote retirement, because we're still in our 50s, our late 50s, mm-hmm. right? We have a budget for frivolous spending every month. I love or, it something. So we, we each get the same amount and you, you know, we just, you know, if we're like, Oh, I need that book. Gotta buy it. But you know, we have to make (laughs) sure we're calculating that we don't go over our budget. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's also helpful, you know, because again, we talked about it, but (laughs) I like that you're not the money mom. Yes. And you're pretty open about that. Um, You might be the uh, money guru fairy I don't know <laughs> I like to say I'm like that money smart friend that you meet for coffee so you can say like hey would you just help me get my crap together when it comes to money yeah yeah you know sometimes your best friend is going to be the one to do that too you're like okay you're my bff and they're like um you need to get your s-h-i-t together whatever <laughs> like, let's it's do so it. funny because I have so many of my clients tell me like that that's what I do for them they're ah. like, if, if I have to describe you to my friend, I'm like, this is what I tell them. Like, nice teen helps me get my money crap together. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's excellent. I, I'm sure you probably have more clients than you can actually handle because people are like, um, can I get in? Can I get in? Can I get in? Um, Let's uh, let's talk about kids. Okay. And you have a, a, a number of chapters. I, now, this is the thing I like about the book. The chapters are short. Yes. So you're not overwhelming anyone and you can read a three or four page chapter and then look at the action item at the end and if you don't have children you should still read that I think but you don't have to do necessarily do the action items so Mm -hmm. anyway back to the kids Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, you know I think nowadays kids rarely learn about money in schools Um, I know you talk about it a little bit but I remember in high school in, I don't even know what the course was, but it was some economics-based course that everyone had to take. And we had to, we got a set amount of money. We had to look in the paper. We had to find an apartment. We had to find a job, how much that paid, create our budget. I don't, my kids didn't do that. Yeah. I remember doing something similar where we had to, we got a certain amount of money that we had to like feed our imaginary family with and oh, so yeah. I remember getting the now I don't even know if they still have Sunday papers but basically I was getting like the Sunday papers and right. I was getting the ads and I was like cutting out you know the the package of hot dogs for a dollar or whatever and so yeah we, we had to bring this project in of like this is what my family is eating for a hundred dollars this week oh wow yeah yeah that's a, that I mean those are good things and Here's the other thing I love, and I never thought about this, and I'm sorry I didn't, but you, <laughs> when you were 16, your and you, your mother, you know, gifted you her old car, right? Mm-hmm. But the, in exchange for that, it sounds like you became responsible for a portion of the family money. So I did. About yeah. That. So, you know, my, my mom had gone back to school. Uh, back to college. And so I I think she was like, okay, Christine is excited to drive. If I give her my old car, we're also going to give her some responsibility. So 
some of those responsibilities were like picking my brother up from soccer practice. But the other big one was I was now responsible for the grocery shopping. And so she would basically send me with the ATM card and I was to get a certain amount of money out of the ATM. And she basically said, okay, here's the list. Here's everything we need. If you are a a smart shopper, if you want to use coupons, whatever is left (laughs) over, then you can have that money, you know, for gas money or whatever. Now, I will say it took a few weeks to kind of work out the kinks because there were certain things where I was like really being over aggressive about like buying the cheapest things. <laughs> oh, look, it's like... the white box of generic macaroni. We're going to get that because it's yeah, she's like, no, 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 no. We, we have to buy Kraft macaroni. Like, you know, right. so she told me like, there are certain things where I do want the brand name. She's like, I, I appreciate what you're doing here. However. <laughs> yeah. It, these are all good lessons. Yeah. No. And it taught learn. me so much because, um, you know, it gave me a good reality check about how much groceries cost. And I don't, oh my gosh, I, I, most high school and even college kids have zero clue about how much groceries cost. Yeah, until they I have mean, to start paying for them themselves. And all of a sudden it's like sticker shock. <laughs> right. Well, it's sticker shock for me to go to the grocery store. So <laughs> it's, I know. Um, it, it, it's a very, very good lesson for kids to learn. And mm-hmm. again, I, I wish I had done that for my kids. <laughs> I have two boys and, you know, they're actually both pretty good with money, but geez, yeah. you know, what a great lesson. And again, in your book, you talk about ways to start with your young child yeah. moving up to, you know, as they get into young adult time. And for me, I think that's really important because mm-hmm. I didn't learn those skills yeah, I wasn't taught those skills. And if we don't really learn them from our parents, then it's forget, forget it. It's all over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, really hard here, here's what's that. terrible. My dad did teach me those things mm. and I ignored all of them. Well, there's that too, <laughs> right? Like mm. I did come back around, you know, right. and there are times like, you know, when you were describing your parents and your mom, reminded me a lot of my mother-in-law who passed away several years ago. Um, and I mean, she just like never grew up financially. And, um, it's very interesting because my husband and his older sister who were about 18 months apart, um, they've got younger brothers who are like eight and 10 years younger, I think, than mm, yeah. than my husband. And they were responsible for taking care of them after school and during the summers. And when his mom got divorced, they actually had to contribute to the grocery budget because she didn't have enough money to pay all the household wow. expenses. So, you know, when my husband was in high school, him and his sister actually had a lot of responsibility, both financially and with their younger brothers. And so both of them became the exact opposite of their mom. Mm, That makes (laughs) sense. So it's interesting because sometimes people will do what their parents did. And sometimes there will be, you know, this discomfort. I mean, I I don't want to necessarily say trauma, but sometimes it can be where they see like, Ooh, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. And they will, they'll do the exact opposite of what their parents did. 
Yeah. So there's that, you know, sometimes the kids definitely do the opposite. And then other Mm -hmm. times, well, they're still going to do the opposite because, you know, it's the uh, do what I say, not what I do kind of philosophy. And just rebel against the parents. Yes. There's there's always a little bit of that in the teens and 20s. Absolutely. (laughs) But I think if you're giving them that foundation, like your father did, yeah, they will come back around. Absolutely. Um, you know, everybody has to make their own stupid mistakes <laughs> in order to really <laughs> learn, right? Unfortunately so. Yeah. Um, so there there are that. But it um, makes for good material for my books and my blog oh, and my podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Some juicy and, stories in there. Right. You do you share stories <laughs> of clients and and sometimes I think, oh how how hard that must have been for them. Um, when they talk about their embarrassment and mm-hmm. you know how how that yeah it's it, it can be difficult so yeah I want to kind of skip to the end of the book because okay. uh, we're gonna absolutely run out of time for all of the questions <laughs> I have for you but uh, I was really struck by the the chapter titled "You Are Rich." Mm-hmm. And, you know, I come from a background of looking at sustainability and um, impact investing and that kind of thing. And so when you listed out those things, I'm going to, I have it tabbed here, so I'm going to pull okay. it up because yeah. otherwise you're going to be like searching, searching, searching. Um, uh, let's see. I have it tabbed, but now I can't find it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Okay. Um, you are rich. We in America are rich. Absolutely. And I don't know if you remember any of the things that you listed here off the top of your head. You probably do. Why don't you share them with the listeners? Oh, so now I need to find it. Oh, well, okay. Exactly verbatim because I don't want to misquote it. So you you, you tell us. I have it. So, (laughs) so what you say here is, you know, you're asking people because they're like, oh, well, I'm not rich. I don't have a BMW. I'm not making a hundred grand a year plus. Um, But do you have drinking water? Yeah, we do. We can just turn the tap on um, unless you live in the horrible city in Michigan that still probably doesn't have clean water. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I joke, but it's serious. Those kind yeah. of things. And, you know, can you take a hot shower? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, do you have food in your pantry and refrigerator? Yeah. And honestly, there are some people who don't have these things even in the yeah. US. But, um, you know, the people who are asking this question or saying this are most likely the people who again, they, do you own a car? Yeah. Uh, do you own a home or are you able to pay rent? Probably is mm-hmm. a good thing too. Do you sleep on a mattress? Yeah. Yeah. By yourself. <laughs> yeah. And not with, you know, six other people. Uh, yeah. And do you make more than $2 a day? Yeah. It's That's pretty crazy that a lot of the world lives on less than that. Right. Yeah. You know, 90% of the world or something like that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, lives on less than $2 a day. Yeah. And it's, it's really eye opening if you look at it from that perspective. And I don't want to be giving a disservice to the, to the folks who really are under the poverty line due to no circumstances of their own. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe they uh, did get divorced or maybe the spouse who provided most of the income just left and then yeah. they have to, you know, provide food for their children, clothes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally we have clothes on our back. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- those who 
can't afford fresh food, uh, who live in a food desert, you know, they, they can't fill their refrigerator. So we know that that's part of um, the U.S. as well, but still yeah. it's relative mm-hmm. you know, to your personal experience. But I loved it because when you think about it that way, you're like, ah, oh, okay, I'm rich. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I think what really brought it, what brought that lesson home for me was, you know, when I hit financial rock bottom, I had to move in with my dad for several mm-hmm. months. And, you know, he basically said, look, I'm not going to lend you money. I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to pay your debts for you. But what I will do is I'll give you a safe place to stay for free for three months. I will help you make a plan to get back out on your feet. And he started talking to me about giving and about giving back. Hmm. And, um, I basically told him, he's like, you know, whether you give to the church, to the homeless shelter, and I started crying and I'm like, I am homeless. Right. And and he looks at me and he's like, Christine, you're living in my spare bedroom in a golf course community. You are not homeless. Like, I will drive you downtown and show you what real homelessness looks like. Like, you're not living under a bridge. Um, and so he's like, look, just start small, even if it's like $5 a week. And that's like literally where I started $10 every pay period, 20 bucks a month. I gave it to the homeless shelter. That's about 10 miles away from my house. And, you know, it just started from there. It was like, as things started to improve, I started to give more. And it was like, I realized that even at my lowest point, I still had things that I could be grateful for. Absolutely. And yeah. I always, that that's one thing that I, I do consistently is I write down every day, three things that I'm grateful for every day. So by the end that of the year, habit. Yeah. by the end of the year, I've written down a thousand things to be grateful for. Oh my gosh. And it takes me like two minutes to do yeah. it, you know? Yeah. And it's just like, it keeps you in that frame of mind that even though you may not be where you want to be financially today, you still have a lot of things to be grateful for. And when you come from that energy of gratitude, there there's much more peacefulness and positivity there. Yeah. Even if you're struggling and you, mm-hmm. you think, well, I'm grateful for my children. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I could pay the electric bill today. Yeah. Whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's amazing. I I, I was seeing, reflecting on your uh, your situation with your dad and how he mm-hmm. wouldn't lend you money, but he was like, okay, you can stay here for three months, get back on your feet. When my oldest son um, decided to no longer go to college, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I didn't know for a while. <laughs> Um, but he was, yeah, he was living at home. And when, when this all finally happened, he was, I was paying for everything. He was living at home. And I said, look, if you're not going to go to school, you've got to have a job. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't happen. And so finally I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to pay for you to get out to Florida where your brother's in college, his younger brother, and you guys can get an apartment and I will pay your part of the rent for three months mm-hmm. and then you're on your own. Yep. 
And, you know, he was either going to sink or swim and he swam. He did it. And he, you know, he's 34 and only once during that younger time period, did he ask me for money and it was for a car repair. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So we have to wrap it up and you're I know. So we'll just say this is part one, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like we could have more conversations around this because, you know, I want to talk about how, you know, you talk about part of this we've just talked about is, you know, money isn't everything. Yeah. But let's just finish here with your conclusion in your book. Okay. (laughs) And, and your one, what you want people to, the one takeaway you want folks to have if they read your book. Hmm. Let's see. I mean, honestly, it's, it's really paying attention to their thoughts, words, emotions around money, because that is really what is driving their behavior. Just taking things off of autopilot and really contemplating, you know, what am I doing with my money? How is this making me feel? Is this supporting my happiness? You know, what what are my long-term goals, you know, for for my life and for my finances? I'm honestly just amazed at how many people have never sat down and defined that because mm. they're just going from crisis to crisis. Yeah, it's it's very true that that happens a lot. And so I think I, there isn't such a thing, but I really think that you have a, a PhD in the emotional part of money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to, I am going to own that. Yeah. Own it. Own it, girl. (laughs) Well, and you know, the one thing I also want to tell people as well is that the fact that money is emotional doesn't have to be a bad thing because we can learn how to harness the power of our emotions and actually use them as fuel to achieve our goals. And we can also learn how to short circuit some of those negative emotions so that they don't keep tripping us up. Yeah, exactly. It You can change. You can do it. Yeah. And then once folks have um, gone through your process and they've learned about the emotions around their personal money and they've gotten their situation all clear and cleaned up to their satisfaction, what they need, and then they start saving for investing, you know, for retirement, we can help them with that. Yeah. <laughs> We're on our Absolutely. side. So, yeah. Yes. So when you're, when you're ready to get that going um, or you have this old 401k that maybe is just mm. sitting there and you don't know what to do with it. Cause you thought, <laughs> well, maybe I'll take it out to pay off my debt. Don't do that. Come see yeah. us yes. at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services and <laughs> the websites horizon com. So Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Uh, you can also call the office 505-982-9661 and talk to Johan. He would really like to take your call <laughs> anytime. <laughs> um, he was telling me the other day he had a walk-in and that never happens. Ooh. It just never happens. It happened to me once. And so then it just happened to him, which I wow. think is amazing. <laughs> but please email him info at horizonssfs.com. Thank you, Christine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to continue this conversation at some point. um, Yes. When we can mesh our schedules again. Yes, I would love that. (laughs) Okay, this has been fun. This has been fun. I (laughs) love being a fly on the wall. Yeah, well, here's the thing is that 
it conjured up a story and I got to I got to tell it because you'll both appreciate it okay. from the, the from the beginning of the podcast you were talking about, you know, the, sure, the 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 money folk can give you a list of things to do that'll make you successful. But it's not like everybody follows that list. Right. And then talking about education when people are younger and in, in school, what financial education is there? And there's not a lot. But my wife and I piloted a program here at Boys Town when when we were here the first time where we would take a senior the last three months they're here and help them create a budget that they would earn, you know, fake money every day for going to school and doing their homework and all that stuff as though that was their job. And then they'd have to pay bills off of that. But they were also given real money every week to go grocery shopping and buy their own food. And they would mm. cook their own food with mm. the caveat, with the understanding that you can ask us questions. We're not going to do it for you, but you can ask us questions. If something's unclear, you can ask us questions. So one of the young men that, that did this, we went shopping, <laughs> we went shopping and he bought the largest box of Malto meal you could possibly buy. Cause it was a, it was something that he ate at his, at his, I think his grandmother's house and he loved it. So I think that's such a great connection. However, yeah. when that Malto meal box is about a quarter of your grocery budget, cause it was so big or whatever it was, it was, it was a lot of his money. I'm like, are you, you want to buy that big? Yes. I'm like, yo, this is great. Okay, fine. So he had to learn that lesson. He scrimped on some other things so he could get that huge box of Malto meal. And then he goes to cook it. So here's where it ties into the beginning of the podcast. There is a recipe on the box, oh. <laughs> directions on the box. But he, he, he read them. He measured out the water. And we were watching him. You know, we're right there with him. And he's doing great. Measured out the water. Measured out the malta meal that is poured into the water as it's boiling. And then you stir. I don't know if you're familiar with malta meal, either one of you. but It's been a long time. Yeah. Been a long time. So you just stir. And then... It's like magic, multi-mill appears at some point. <laughs> However, it, it takes a little bit. And so during the process, he starts to panic because it's not becoming multi-mill yet. It's still in very small granular form swimming around the water. And he is positive he didn't put enough in. Oh, no. <laughs> so he put more in and didn't measure it. But I'm, I'm assuming it was probably about half the amount he was supposed to do before. So now it's one and a half times the amount that he should have. And all of a sudden, Malta Meal starting to do its thing, and it's starting to get hard to stir. And now he's panicking, <laughs> so he adds more water. Oh no! He added too much water, so now it's back to Malta Meal soup. And so now he adds more Malta Meal from the box. <laughs> so long story. And he's not asking questions. I'm like, do you need any help? I got this. I got this. I got this. And we do that when we're younger. We do that in our twenties. I got this. I got this. Right. And we don't oh follow the instructions really well. So what ends up happening is that. It's it's way too thick. He's just at this point now. He's tired and frustrated. And he's he's about to throw his hands up. And, and you know, so he ate the thickest multi meal I've ever seen in my life <laughs> for that day. But the best part is, is that we had a Tupperware container that he put the rest in, and he would pull it out of the refrigerator for the next three or four mornings and carve a chunk of multi meal <laughs> off oh <my laughs> because God. it was a brick. It was yeah. just a giant brick, right? And. <sighs> God bless him. It was it was so funny, but it was like the instructions were right there. And and I think that's what both of you specialize in is when people have these realizations or they, they have these little panic moments. Christine, you with this, you know, the, the emotion of money. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim, you with people that realize I'm invested in something I detest. 
Mm, right. Yeah. You know, if, if I find out that I'm invested in something that, you know, produces cancer in folks, you know, big tobacco, for instance, things like that, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to be real happy about that. And I could swing the other direction and just pull all my money out of every investment because I'm, I'm freaking out about it. Or I could talk to somebody like you mm -hmm. and, and find Absolutely. out what's the best thing to do. Christine, I could not freak out and say, I'm just going to bury my head in the sand and not pay attention to these little notices that are coming in my mailbox <laughs> um, and, and do something about it productive, even if it's that little baby step or a little small step that we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that. I, I love the fact that the two of you got together and, and had this podcast. Christine, I know that, that folks, this is the first time they're hearing of your book on Kim's podcast. Yeah, yeah. You have your own podcast and you have your, you know, some contact information. How do people get a hold of you if they're interested in, in maybe starting a conversation or maybe they have kids? Because Kim's audience is, is a pretty vast audience. She's got a pretty big audience and a lot of them are very savvy, but I bet, I bet we've got some <laughs> Not kids everyone. that maybe. Yeah. <laughs> not everyone is, you know, oh, true. Yeah. they're, they're really not. I have a number of, um, people in their mid fifties, you know, who come in and they have saved almost nothing for retirement mm, okay, true. because yeah. they didn't know how to do that. So yeah. you talk a lot about savings in the book too. And mm -hmm. so people don't always know, even if yeah. they have investments. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and smart, smart people like doctors and attorneys, they're very smart when it comes to medicine and when it comes to law, but if True. they yeah. haven't studied personal finance, you know, I have a lot of them who come to me and they're like, I feel really stupid. Like I'm making $300,000 a year. Like where is all my money going? And mm -hmm. I'm like, well, look, you've, no one has ever taught you how to set up this system mm -hmm. that's going to help you. So yeah. Just because it's you're smart in one area doesn't necessarily mean it's yeah. going to translate into money. So Absolutely. yeah, but they can, they can find me on my website, which is simply my name, christinelukin.com. There's links right there to all of my books, to the podcast. Uh, if they're interested in coaching or courses, everything is all right there. Great. All right. Well, I can't thank you enough for joining me. And Eric, I know you know both of us very well. Um, so I, I think you were excited to have this happen oh, totally. and, and again. Christine, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's been thank fun. you both. Yeah. And as always, our last thank yous for you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Grego Kyle. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review. This actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we're going to see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle, the sustainable, responsible, impact investing podcast, reminding you that it's time to invest like you give a damn. If you have questions about this podcast or topics you'd like to hear addressed on an upcoming podcast, please email me at kim at griego-kyle.com. That's G-R-I-E-G-O hyphen K-I-E-L dot com. Or give Horizons a call at 505-982-9661 and be sure to ask for Johan Klassen. 
Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available and to share this podcast with colleagues, friends, and family. The companies I may speak about during the podcast are not recommendations for investment. Only you and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you. Kimberly Griego-Kyle produces this podcast on behalf of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. is a registered investment advisor registered with the SEC. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. and its financial professionals do not render tax or legal advice. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services, Inc. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. None of this content may be used or duplicated without the express written agreement of the podcast host.